0: Throughout our criminal justice system, its presence in police culture, though often flatly denied by the many police apologists that appear in the media now, has been central to the breakdown in police community relationships for decades, in spite of good people doing police work. Here's what I wish Americans understood about the men and women who serve in their police departments, and what needs to be done to make the system better for everyone. 1. There are officers who willfully violate the human rights of the people in the communities they serve. As a new officer with the St. Louis in the mid-1990s, I responded to a call for an officer in need of aid. I was partnered that day with a white, female officer. When we got to the scene, it turned out that the officer was fine, and the aid call was cancelled. He'd been in a foot pursuit, chasing a suspect in an armed robbery, and lost him. The officer I was with asked him if he'd seen where the suspect went. The officer picked a house on the block we were on and we went to it and knocked on the door. A young man, about eighteen years old, answered the door, partially opening it and peering out at my partner and me. He was standing on crutches. My partner accused him of harboring a suspect. He denied it. He said that this was his family's home and he was home alone. My partner then forced the door the rest of the way open grabbed him by his throat, and snatched him out of the house onto the front porch. She took him to the ledge of the porch, and, still holding him by the throat, punched him hard in the face and then in the groin. My partner that day snatched an eighteen-year-old kid off crutches and assaulted him, simply for stating the fact that he was home alone. I got the officer off of him, but because an aid call had gone out, several other officers had arrived on the scene. One of those officers, who was black, ascended the stairs and asked what was going on. My partner pointed to the young man, still lying on the porch, and said, That son of a bitch just assaulted me. The black officer then went up to the young man and told him to, Get the fuck up. I'm taking you in for assaulting an officer. The young man looked up at the officer and said, Man, you see I can't go. His crutches lay not far from him. The officer picked him up, cuffed him, slammed him into the house where he was able to prop himself up by leaning against it. The officer then told him again to get moving to the police car on the street because he was under arrest. The young man told him one last time, in a pleading tone that was somehow angry at the same time, you see I can't go. The officer reached down and grabbed both the young man's ankles and yanked up. This caused the young man to strike his head on the porch. The officer then dragged him to the police car. We then searched the house. No one was in it. These kinds of scenes play themselves out every day, all over our country, in black and brown communities. Beyond the many unarmed blacks killed by police, including recently Freddie Gray in Baltimore, other police abuses that don't result in death foment resentment, distrust, and malice toward police in black and brown communities all over the country. Long before Darren Wilson shot and killed unarmed Michael Brown last August, there was a poisonous relationship between the Ferguson, Missouri Department and the community it claimed to serve. For example, in 2009, Henry Davis was stopped unlawfully in Ferguson, taken to the police station, and brutally beaten while in handcuffs. He was then charged for bleeding on the officers' uniforms after they beat him. 2. The bad officers corrupt the departments they work for. About that 15% of officers who regularly abuse their power, a major problem is they exert an outsized influence on department culture and find support for their actions from ranking officers and police unions. Chicago is a prime example of this. The city has created a reparations fund for the hundreds of victims who were tortured by former Chicago police commander John Burge and officers under his command from the 1970s to the early 90s. The victims were electrically shocked, suffocated, and beaten into false confessions that resulted in many of them being convicted and serving time for crimes they didn't commit. One man, Daryl Cannon, spent 24 years in prison for a crime he confessed to, but didn't commit. He confessed when officers repeatedly appeared to load a shotgun, and after doing so each time, put it in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Other men received electric shocks until they confessed.